Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. is the question can i be heard i always get nervous when i uh do facebook because i can never tell if the uh the audio is working they give like no indications drives me nuts i'm live hey zo how's it going it's beautiful day it's a ton of snow uh here in new york um yeah we shoveled a lot yesterday and then um Today was a little bit funny because we had a plan to, I was going to take the morning to figure out what I was going to say. And then my, um, then me and my wife were going to go out and finish the shoveling that we started yesterday. But then the neighbors came and started like shoveling and then we felt bad, but I still need to prepare this. And so my wife went out, but then of course I look like a jerk, but <laughs> like, uh, but it was, it was all taken care of and it's, it's good. So it was a little bit of a, a mad rush today. Um, because a last minute hiccup in, uh, Jay's daycare system for the kiddos, there was a hiccup. And so, uh, unexpectedly, um, he was unable to speak today. So he asked me yesterday if I could, and I was like, sure, why not? And so I panic, uh, came up with a talk for today. So we will, uh, we'll give it some time for people to, to, uh, enter in, um, also enter in, see it's not Jay and leave, which it's all right. I get it. I get it guys. I'm not offended. Cruising, cruising my Bible all last night and this morning. I even whipped out, uh, I've had this. I can't tell you how long. Hey, Terry, how's it going? I can't tell you, um, how long I've had this probably, uh. Was it probably 23, 25 years or something like that? Um, it's like, it's basically um, someone printed out the internet like uh, 30 years ago. And now uh, it just saves me from having to look it up. But I'm sure it's a lot of out of date. And I don't actually like just how, this is going to sound silly, but how Christian oriented this is in which this, it's like it's not acting like a, actual dictionary of stuff it has like an agenda but my, my hair is uh it's been slowly going the way of the buffalo so hey thomas um how is uh so yeah so what happens is maybe i don't want to get into uh gender stereotypes but i found for 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 males baldness is like the one thing that even if they're confident and uh, self-assured really starts to weigh on them. And so what was happening is when I had longer hair, I would see how thin it was going. And then I would be like, so obsessed over it. Like, and then especially what really tipped it over was actually COVID because everything is now um, like online. Right. Hey Linda. And so everything's online. And so, 
I was always in meetings at work and all I would focus on is like how light my hair was going. And so what I did was I shaved it down like to a longer, a little longer than this. But since I was so focused on it, Hey Jay. Yeah. We're I'm, I'm, I'm talking about how COVID affected me shaving my head. So we're all over it, my friend. But so when my hair was like buzzed down, so I wouldn't be worried about my baldness. What happened was it like grows in stronger, like on the, the edges and the back. So I kept thinking like, do you ever see like photos of people that were in like the electric, like the electric chair and like they would have like that bald pattern from the cap. That's what I felt like. I like I was, I just walked the green mile. So I just kept going down further and further and further. So yeah, but I like it. It's very, very freeing to buzz your hair down or shave it. It's like the most freeing thing in the world. No, it's not like a, the only reason I said uh, a gender thing was because from from people I've talked to, it's it, a lot of it comes down to um, men that never had issues with pride or vanity or thing. They're they say like this. Oh, me too. That's the one thing that I can't stand. So I think going bald is universal and it's a everybody would focus on it. But there's something in which um, that even. I don't know. It seems to be like the one common thread that I've found. I've found, and so yeah, it's certainly not a, a gender specific thing, but it, it is just funny how, it, like, even the most confident of of men or women crumble over going bald. What normally happens is, since speaking is still um, more on the newer side for me, you know, Jay's been doing it forever, so he's got like a a method in which he comes up with his talks, but what, what mine, mine are just like, like, um, maybe like when you play pinball and you'll unlock the multi-ball and there's just all these balls like pinging back and forth and trying to get points and all that stuff. But each, for me, each, um, each pinball, like is a completely unrelated thought to the other one. And so, um, my method is like, I start to feel like, all right, I, I'm seeing a common thread. I'm going to be able to connect them. And so I just literally like a whiteboard. I just write down all of my ideas until it's, everything's written out. And then I go back through that mess and I number them in which like a ranking um, can, can like I could be like, all right, I could go from here to here to here to here. And then I rewrite it all nicely for me to, to see. So I tell you, um, I, I do get complimented on the shape of my head also. So like, I, I am like relieved that with the shape of my head, because I'd be so nervous if I didn't have a head shape that looked good bald. And then, oh, I, I don't even know what I would do. Whoo. I would be, uh, be a mess. So why do I get the dirtiest glasses? Man, alive. Um, okay, so let me clean off my glasses and then we will get to work. So, I hope everyone is having a lovely Sunday. Anyone on the northeast of America, I hope you are surviving this snowstorm. Well, the snowstorm has passed. Now it's just uh, snow. And then anybody 
probably in Canada or in the middle of the country would see the amount of snow we got and be like, oh, you guys just got a little flurry. But to us, we're like two feet going nuts. All right. So where am I? Where am I? So I'll have my, uh, look, my little all studio Ghibli here, right? With Revolution. And then we have uh, Robocop and then our Jason Voorhees kitty. Um, <laughs> so I like that. Thank you. I, I have been getting further and further away from my hat now that I shave my head. It's very, um, very freeing. So, all right. So let's, let's jump in, right? Let's just, let's just do it. Let's just, uh, shake loose and do it. Um, so recently, <laughs> um, I've been, I'm sure like most people have been struggling a lot, uh, mentally. There's just, uh, you know, even Jay referenced it with like just being so over COVID plus you take someone like me that's prone to melancholy, um, and struggled with it for their whole life. And then it gets worse every winter. And then as of the last, uh, year, a little over a year in in the middle of November 2020, my dad passed away, passed away on the same day that a good friend of mine passed away 15 years earlier. So I always dreaded November and I always dreaded that day. Now it's like my dad was like, oh, <laughs> I got you covered. So we'll double down on that. And then it was also my grandparents anniversary the same day. I mean, they both passed, but it's just like so. And I love like my poppy. He was uh very much a father figure. So it's just like from November, like on through the winter already, I struggle with mental health because it's darker, longer, and it's cold and dreary. You can't really do anything. Plus we have all that stuff on top of normal depression on top of COVID depression. Whew, it has been rough. So, but I'm, you know, I'm working the program, take, take my medicines, go to therapy and, uh, staying, staying afloat for the most part. But, um, a funny thought happened to me when I was, um, wrapping Christmas gifts in on Christmas Eve. Now there's, a, I hate wrapping Christmas gifts by the way, and I'm not very good at it, but there is a sweet spot of calmness that happens like right when it's just like the end of the evening and it's the, the house is so quiet and I, I'll put on music and I used to have a real strong memory with this uh, Tom Waits song called <laughs> a Christmas card from a hooker in Minneapolis. And it had just a great memory attached to it of a, a quiet evening um, that uh, like uh, of a Christmas Eve memory. And it was one of my favorite quote unquote Christmas songs because it's no more a Christmas song than Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Sorry. We won't go there, but, um, so <laughs> I, I was like sad, sadder this Christmas Eve because that song didn't really hold any, um, good memories for me anymore, which is, uh, sad. And then, uh, but I had it on a mix and then, um, on the same mix was, uh, Johnny Cash's version of, I heard the bells on Christmas day, which is great. And I'm sitting there wrapping like gifts and I'm like, it's almost like I'm hearing the words for the first time. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is kind of how I feel. Like this sums it up. 
right? Because the whole song is this guy's just wandering the street, miserable because life sucks and politics sucks and <laughs> and everything, right? There's no peace on earth. Everyone's just mean to each other. Um, the only difference is at the end of the song, he finds like peace and happiness. And I'm still just like, well, everything sucks. Um, so, uh, like, I where I struggle with is, um, and it's something I'm working on, but there's a um, an Im imagery that pops up a, a few times in the things that I listen to and I watch. One is in um, probably my favorite book and movie ever called No Country for Old Men. And um, there's a scene in which basically a man follows a certain amount of principles his whole life, and then it gets him <laughs> to the he's on the other end of a gun that's pointing right at him. And the guy holding the gun asks like, well, all these rules that you followed your whole life led you to this moment. So like, what good were they? And of course that's a very depressive way to look at it, but that is how my mind works. And the band against me has um, a line in one of their songs where she sings, if it doesn't matter now, then it never really did. So I have that kind of mindset in which, um, so many things that I do feel like wasted and completely pointless. And, uh, in the Bible, in second Samuel, there's the story of David's mighty men, right? He's got King David has all these great warriors. And there's this one, one scene in it in which David goes, um, I'm so thirsty. I could really use a drink of water. So his like soldiers go out behind enemy lines and they um, fight and kill and they bring back like a, a cup of water or a helmet filled with water. And David sees what his desires caused, like the death and thing, and just like dumped out the water. He's like, no, it's, it would be as if I'm drinking their blood. And like, I feel like those soldiers that went out and got that stuff, like, are you kidding me? Like everything I went through to give you this and you just dump it on the ground. Like, if it doesn't matter now, it never really did. What was the point of all these rules that I followed? So that's kind of um, where I'm at. But in the same vein of those mighty men, I do have uh, one of the soldiers that I also really relate to and kind of how I live my life, especially when I'm struggling. And it's this one soldier who fought uh, a battle so long and hard and tenuous and just never gave up that even when the war was done and he was victorious, his hand was so um, cramped on the the sword that he couldn't drop it, even if he wanted to. And when I read that when I was younger, I kind of made the decision that win, lose, or draw in my life when I'm fighting for something like that, I want that to be my outcome. Like even if I lose... I fought so hard I couldn't drop my my sword. And so that's why I don't give up. I keep going, excuse me, um, even with all of this <laughs> depression uh, wreaking havoc on all of us. So, um, like I said, I have these ideas bouncing around in my head. And every once in a while, I get a glimmer of like, a, like this gossamer thin like string that ties some thoughts together. And I try to... Um, like capture it and um but i had enough rattling around in my head and um when jay was like oh 
hiccup here with the daycare. Can you talk tomorrow? And I was like, I, I, I said yes, because I knew that I had enough pinballs in my head that I could get a, a talk out. But, um, it's no surprise that in my mental state that I was in, that the one of the first places I turned to was Ecclesiastes pause for laughter, right? Because so anybody that knows the book of Ecclesiastes will kind of get why I would go there because the whole thing is um, sol- that's commonly um, suggested that sol- uh, King Solomon wrote this and it all is just like wisdom only leads to disappointment. Um, you know, all it does is show you how unfair everything is and wisdom never uh, wins and just like everything sucks, right? That's what he keeps saying. Everything is useless in in Ecclesiastes. Like everything is useless. I do this, but it's useless. It's pointless. And um, it gets almost very like, again, Johnny Cash, like when he, because um, I referenced him with the Christmas song, but he does that cover of the Nine Inch Nails song and he talks about like his empire of dirt, right? And that's very much what Ecclesiastes is. It's very... um it's like the anti-Uncle Ben Spider-Man. You know how Uncle Ben says, with great responsibility comes... No, with great power comes great responsibility. But in Ecclesiastes, it's um, great wisdom leads to great disappointment. You know, it's the very anti-Uncle Ben. Um, but it's it's funny that in the spiraling thoughts of Solomon, where it's like, everything's useless, everything's pointless, everything sucks he ends up coming to the same conclusion that Paul does in, but in a, like a kind of more depressed way in which like, Oh, no one's special. We're all from, um, we all come from dust. We're all returning to dust. We're no different from animals in death. There is no hierarchy, right? Like if, if a man dies or like a, a person dies, a human dies or an animal dies, what there's, there's no difference. Right. And so, um, it's very reminiscent of what Paul later says in a much more better headspace of, you know, there's um, no slave, no free, no um, Jew nor Gentile, right? There's no hierarchy, right? And so um, I saw that connection with um, with Paul, but then another thing that stuck out to me was um, where he talks about if... Uh, if a person dies and a, an animal dies, there's really no no difference. And then um, earlier, maybe a few weeks earlier, I watched this show on Netflix, which I will recommend to everybody because I'm obsessed with it. It's only seven episodes. It's called Midnight Mass. And if there was ever a show that was tailor-made for me, like it's as if Mike Flanagan... Flanagan, Flannery, Flanner, like wrote it for me. Like, it's insane. Like, I absolutely love it. Um, and I'm not going to, I could talk, if I ever start my own podcast, it's going to be about this show and it's only seven episodes. So I just could talk about it forever. But uh, one thing and I'm not going to talk about too much because I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but there's this one um speech or like a a dialogue in which a a priest uh, gives and he talks about he was in, I believe it was the Amazon jungle, uh, maybe on like a missions trip. And he sees this great big waterfall and it's just, he's standing under the waterfall and it's just um, 
just like deafening, right? The sound of the water falling. Anyone that's been to Niagara Falls or basically any waterfall, it, it you're just like it is. Um, the Midnight Mass fans, oh yeah, um, so it is like just like a deafening sound, and the conclusion that this priest um, comes to is that um, in I believe it's Matthew ten, Jesus says that um, he's like sparrows are cheap, right? You could buy you could buy um, these sparrows. Um, it's like two for a penny or something like that. And if one of them dies, like even God knows the passing of one cheap sparrow, right? And that's where Jesus also talks about like, aren't we worth more than than birds? Which Solomon would say we're not, but Jesus says it, right? We're worth more than birds. And God even cares about a bird dying. Like he notices that. But what happens is in the speech with Midnight Mass, what he concludes from that is just with humans alone, there's like, um, I looked up a specific number, but it's like hundreds of thousands of people die a day, just, just people. So if you add animals into that too, it's just, he was saying, if God notices the death of one bird, then all these deaths, it would just be like God standing under a waterfall of just, it would just be a nonstop barrage of like death to him. And how could any of our prayers ever get through all of that noise, right? So that's something that he, he was really struggling with. And um, so I saw that, that combinate that like tie in with Ecclesiastes and how that led to Jesus and, um, and even to Paul. And because as you might be able to see in chat, when people watch Midnight Mass, they're just like, oh, this is the best. I love it. And, um, and then, uh, so I recommended it to, to friends and a, um, a lot of friends when they watch it, they're moved by the religious, um, moments in the show, because what happens is it shows like a spectrum of religious people. It shows people that are so genuine and sincere in their beliefs. Like they really are only trying to do what's right. And then you have your kind of more like stereotypical, uh, like legalistic, literal, the Bible is literal type um, Christians. And so it shows such a good um, example that oftentimes people that have a traumatic history with Christianity will find it to be um, both like cathartic, cathartic, right? Uh, and also triggering at the same time. And with this one friend, um, she was talking about that she went to a Catholic school and was um, raised uh, in that. But then as she got older, she started to see all these contradictions and that really kind of turned her off. And now she is what um, she, she calls herself an atheist, right? And that kind of um, struck me because the the only reason I feel like there are contradictions in the Bible is because people look at it so legalistically and so literally that it makes contradictions out of stuff that there, that isn't contradictions. Um, and so if it is taught that way, then of course all these kids are going to grow up and they're going to learn wisdom, which Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes shows us leads to like disappointment and sadness. Um, 
but it's that's like the wrong understanding of the Bible. And so what happens is that we grow up in a society, especially like a Christian society in which um, when it's focused on so, so legally and so literally, we end up getting um, focused on the exclusivity of what maybe um, Jesus teaches and some, certainly not what Paul teaches except for in offshoot little um, sentences here or there, but as a whole, you know, um, sheeps and goats and no one gets to the father except through me um, be in the world and not of it. We, the, the society that we are, we grow up in focuses so much on it being um, an exclusive club. And they love that. They, they kind of really shun anybody or any scripture that's pointing to the contrary. And I remember uh, one time taking a, uh, an apologetics class in college because I used to be very like um, <laughs> maybe kind of like Paul was or like Simon. Like I used to be very zealous in my love for the Lord and the Bible. And I, I never really loved confrontation, but I was always like ready for it. And then that's, I kind of started to learn, well, quoting the Bible at someone that doesn't believe the Bible <laughs> means nothing. So I started to kind of like deconstruct and I really got to a place um that's far, far from that. But in this one class, in this apologetic class, we were um, talking about like how almost like they're trying to prepare you for the common arguments that you're going to get, uh, such as when people say like, oh, it's an exclusive club. And one of the, the talking points that is was to almost embrace that, like, yeah, it is exclusive. If you want to be part of it, this is how you have to do it. And um and so in having this exclusive take on it, it kind of just gives permission to judge and place ourselves above other people. But anywhere from Ecclesiastes to Paul shows that that is not the case when it comes to our, our beliefs. And then uh, another byproduct of that same trend is that... Um, Jesus says he warns his his disciples and by and through the scripture warns uh, anyone that follows him that like oh everyone's gonna hate you because look at they hate me and if they hate me of course they're gonna hate you and um, so a lot of Christians use this to amplify the feeling of persecution and now this is in no way to um, downplay actual persecution that happens in other countries and some really horrible stuff that happens. Um, but just say from my focal point in America, the persecution comes from, um, usually we want to act righteous and con condemn people, but then people make us feel bad for that. Or there's a war on Christmas or something along, um, those lines. But what if we take a step back and we don't look at it so literal and so, um, legalistically, and what if. Jesus is trying to tell us like, no, I'm coming down to teach you love and grace and understanding. I'm taking what Solomon said about there's no difference between a human and an animal. Like we're all dust and from dust will return. There's no, and I'm setting the stage for what Paul's going to be teaching you guys of there's no Jew, no Gentile slave, nor free. And I'm going to just show that love and um, grace is what's important, but people hate that. People absolutely hate that because they want division. 
um, they uh, like, especially nowadays, we're seeing it amplified, right? Agreeing with people if they're on a the different side or different spectrum is a weakness, right? Or you're not committed to your cause. Um, people, <laughs> people hate when you don't hate what they feel you should hate, right? Like, um, it's just, if you, if you don't hate what I think you should hate, then like, I hate you <laughs> because, um, you know, that means you like it and you shouldn't like it. And so what if, um, Jesus is saying like, no, if, so if you follow that, that kind of like anarchist grace, people will hate you for it because they hate what they don't understand. They, um, they, um, they want division. They think agreement, agreeing is weak if you're not on the same side, quote unquote. And so, you know, Jesus got that cause he loved Matthew, but he also loved Simon who probably wanted to kill Matthew, right? He loved prostitutes. He didn't, not only did he like love them, but we're not really shown any idea that he thought anything other than love for them. Not like, oh, I love the sinner, but hate the sin. Like, it's just like, he just didn't care. He just loved people and he saw how everybody was um, equal. And, but, and like, what happens to people that teach love, this kind of radical love and grace, right? You get Jesus, you get Gandhi, you get Martin Luther King Jr. And they all did not have a nice ending because people hate, right? They, yeah. If you don't cancel who I cancel, then you're canceled. That's, that's, that's what Zoe said. And they're a hundred percent correct. That's the, the society that we live in. But if we could rise above all of this, we could get to something that, um, well, what Jay teaches as the God beyond God, but he gets it from somebody else, uh, maybe Hegel or Kierkegaard. Um, and so there's a funny scene in a movie that I watched just randomly, uh, yesterday, the movie Hail Caesar from the Coen brothers. I don't know if anyone saw it, but the studio, it takes place in the fifties and the studio is making a Ben-Hur-esque, um, drama, epic drama called Hail Caesar, a tale of the Christ, which if you guys remember Ben-Hur, I believe it's called the tale of the Christ. And it is one of the best description, uh, um, depictions of, um, Jesus that I've ever seen in film because Jesus is only in it, maybe three scenes, but his impact is tremendous, uh, with who he encounters, but behind the scenes of this movie, the studio gets together just almost like a bad, like a punchline to a joke, right? They get, um, a priest, a rabbi. Uh, a pastor, a Greek Orthodox um, pastor, priest. Um, and they try to get them into a room because they want to make a depiction of Jesus that is not going to offend anybody. And the joke in that is clearly the, the, uh, the head of the production studio doesn't fully grasp that that in itself won't be possible because of everybody's contradicting views on Jesus. But even though it's a silly scene for a movie that's played for laughs, I just kept thinking that if they, that they're so close to finding a God beyond God, right? Like if they could all find like ways to strip away all the, the legalism and the literal aspects of their um, combined religious text, they would find 
something that's a lot closer to God and Jesus than any one of their religions have, right? So that'd be like a God beyond God. And so that's just another example of how this legalistic uh, and literal approach to the Bible is really handcuffing us. And um, in, so um, my reading in um, Ephesians kind of led me to the letter of Colossians because I was like, Jay's giving a talk on Galatians and he knows that far better than I do. And I'm not going to like, that's, that's his baby and he's on a roll and I could only learn from what he's saying. So I'm gonna, I'll go to Paul somewhere else. And so I went to, uh, Colossians and, um, Paul says there that, um, don't let others make rules for us, right? Like he warns of man-made religions. And I would say that Christianity, whereas it's often taught that it's, you know, from God, divine and everything like that, the teachings maybe are not man-made, but the religion certainly is man-made. And Paul warns about like, don't let people tell you how to eat, how to drink, how to worship, how to talk. You know, um, he even nails it right on the head where he says that all of this man, the rules for these man-made religions, they just uh, are ways for people to pretend to be humble and find ways to, to um, not control their desires. Right. And they find reasons to blame for their own shortcomings. And so that, so Christianity is very much a man-made religion in that sense. If we're talking about traditional Christianity, um, especially um, the kind that basically, you know, like push Jay to the outskirts of the internet to, for his, for us, for his church and his gathering of his teachings of grace, because he became, you know, an ally to the LGBTQ community and that man-made religion, like that aspect was like, no, we don't want that. We want these rules. And you could, you could say this, but you can't say this. You can love this person. You can't love this person. You could eat this. You can't have tattoos. You can't all the stuff that I'm sure so many of us um, have experienced, right? That led us all to here to this community, which I will touch on later. Um, and it kind of gets us to the point and Jay may maybe uh, a week or two ago express it like, cause there's a conversation me and him have a, a bunch. Like uh, if Jesus came back today, I always ask Jay, like who would kill him first with the right or the left? Like, with the progressives or the conservatives. It's, it's really a crapshoot to who would kill him first. Um, and because, um, you know, I feel like he would teach, you know, grace and love everybody. And that would upset the people that wanted the exclusive man-made aspects of the religion, but then not canceling the people that they want canceled. They would want to cancel Jesus for that. And, um, there, there is a um, there is a Vietnamese monk, a Buddhist monk. He just passed away a few weeks ago. I really don't know how to pronounce his name, so I'm not going to try. But um, I'm sure he's very famous. And um, anytime you see like a inspirational quote on uh, Instagram uh, from like a Buddhist teaching, it's like his quote, right? So I did some research on him because, as you guys know, I do have a soft spot for. Um, Buddhism. And it said that he practiced what they called engaged Buddhism in which he would take the practices of Buddhism and use it socially and 
just beyond like reflecting in on himself. And I'm sure it's a lot more complicated than that, but that's just from what I gathered. And I was just thinking of um, what if we did engaged Christianity in which the same thing is you take the, the actual principles, the good stuff that you learn and that was taught and you, you live it right. Not in the sense of that Paul talks about with the false humility and a way to blame something. So you're not held responsible. Um, but we use it and we live in love and grace and that kind of anarchist grace that has no rules. Like you just great. Everyone gets grace, whether we like it or not. Um, so if we did that in, in um, engaged Christianity, that's, where some uh, that's where like miracles can actually start to happen and now when i say miracles i'm not talking about traditional miracles of uh, of you know water splitting and fire from heaven but more in the sense of uh in the in the comic book graphic novel the watchman dr manhattan becomes basically a god-esque figure right he's um Except the the main his main issue is he gets to be so smart and detached, and he sees everything on such a, a minuscule level that much like Ecclesiastes, like everything is just the same to him, and he gets a real detachment from uh, humanity to the extent that like um you know Earth could be in trouble, and he's just going to be hanging out on Mars because Earth is no more different than the red rocks of Mars, and um. But what happens is he learns of one of his friends who um, forgave a man that attacked her, right? Uh, and attack is nice because I don't want to be triggering, but we could all fill in the gaps there, right? And she forgives him and Dr. Manhattan, it's like a revelation to him. And uh, he says that for her to forgive someone that she had no earthly reason to forgive is a miracle and it's as much of a miracle as turning oxygen to gold turning air to gold and that's the type of miracles that we can experience with um that kind of engaged christianity of um love and grace it's not easy at all and it's and it's a miracle because um it's not going to happen all the time you know, for us to forgive people that we can't forgive and love people that we can't love. It's a miracle when we do, and it shouldn't be um, dismissed um, just because it's not like a typical miracle. Like I said, like parting of the seas or, or healing sickness or, you know, making an ax head float to the head of the, the to the surface of the water. Um, Cause that's what we think of when we think of miracles, right? There's <laughs> I've been listening a lot to this uh, old country western singer uh, named Marty Robbins, and he does all these gunfighter ballads, and it's it's great stuff. And he has this great song called Master's Call, in which he's a wayward youth that gets in with a bad gang, and then through a series of um, really interesting miracles, he's saved. Um, and so, like, <laughs> basically... He's getting stampeded by um, these scared cows and then lightning strikes a cow and he dies. And then basically all the cows pile up over that cow and never hit him. And it's a miracle to the extent that he is basically saved and, and born again, right? That's the type of miracles we want. Um, but a miracle is a miracle 
no matter how you slice it. I remember um, talking to someone when I was younger and they said, I don't believe in miracles, but I believe in small miracles. And um, for example, uh, her father who had passed was in um, a singer. He was a singer, did like tight harmonies. And one thing that they would always, he would always sing when he was alive was uh, up on the roof, right? Or under the boardwalk, one of those location songs, right? And then one day she was sitting at a, a diner and the uh, diner, you know, some diners have those little jukeboxes and all of a sudden no one put any money in and the song just started playing. Right. So she believes in those types of miracles, but a miracle by definition is anything that's like not possible. And it's no more possible for a song to randomly play a song that's in your heart than it is for, you know, an ax head to flow to the surface of the water. Like they're both, completely impossible that's what makes them a miracle so is it more of a is it a harder miracle for god to raise lazarus from the dead than it is to play a song on jukebox no right because god if we're believing in any sort of well i mean you know i i do love the bible inside and out so i i do kind of tend more like no god's all-knowing all-powerful like nothing is beyond his control and um i only say his because it's just I don't, it could be horror. It could be, it, I really, it doesn't matter to me. I don't want it to be triggering that I use um, certain pronouns. It's just um, what helps me. But since we're not talking about legalistic ways, it really doesn't matter. I've learned that I have, the more I learn about the Bible and about grace and Christianity, the, <laughs> the less, like a less amount of hills I have that I'll die on because I, none of it really is that important like all the the literal details aren't important um so the um so let me see where i was here all right so yeah so like forgiving someone is just as much of a miracle as any of the other ones that we um we say and the problem is that um a lot of us get turned off to like, where is God? Like where, um, yeah, I'll, if, when I can, I'll try to use they, if uh, it's, you know, it's, there's no excuse. It's just 38 years of one way. I have zero problem with that. So let's try to say they, I love it. Um, but so a lot of people, when you, when you talk to them, say if they're, uh, atheists or, you know, um, just a non-believer they think it's all nonsense uh arguments that we hear often are like where is god in the old testament they used to do so many big things and interfere with people's lives but now they're nowhere to be found and so what's the deal with that and um and so i, I was this is semi-unrelated but i was just um i was thinking that and this is a legitimate question, if anyone has examples. Like, has God interfered in the Old Testament with someone's life that wasn't for a much bigger purpose? You Do you get what I'm saying? It's, it's never like a lot of people, they're like, where's God? And they're praying for anything as silly as a parking spot, you know, uh, at the mall or for their baseball team to win. Sometimes it's more serious. Sometimes it's for a loved one to get better. Um, but in the Bible, I don't know if God ever does that type of minute 
interference unless it's for a much bigger cause. Like, of course, oh, God saved Lot. Yes, but then from Lot, you know, came Moab in the grossest way. And then Moab to Ruth, which was in the lineage of Jesus. You know, so it's always like a much more macro thing, even though it seems that we're seeing a small like, oh, you know, God, God intervened with, um, well, yeah, so like Moses, like as Terry said, Moses, but like Moses supposes his toes are roses, but no, what Moses, um, that's a much, much bigger purpose, right? It's not Moses for the sake of Moses. It's not Moses praying that Aaron gets better and then Aaron gets better and disappears or anything like that. It's for a much bigger purpose. So that's why, um, it was just what one of my, my thinkings of did is like, maybe God is not, it's not that he doesn't intervene anymore. It's just, he always did it in a much for a much bigger purpose than what we're finding ourselves calling for. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but, um, but the reason why I bring that up is because it's about um, rearranging our, our, our thinking and our view. So it leaves less room for uh, legalism and more room for love and grace. And when we do that, there is, less contradictions. Like I said in the beginning, it's, we only get those contradictions because we're like, no, this means this and this means this. And so they can't mean anything else. And, and it's something that we've already always done. Um, and I'm going to bring up this, this Bible dictionary, which I referenced, um, before. And, um, we always kind of cherry picked, uh, ideas um, which is, it's fine. Like every Jesus cherry picked, everybody, um, cherry picked, but, um, from this dictionary, um, uh, I'm going to read about what they say about the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes purports to be a book that reflects the best human reasoning about the meaning of life. It is important not to mistake Solomon's provincial conclusion for divine truth. And then they also say, the book of Ecclesiastes then cannot be used to establish biblical doctrine. Instead, the musings of this wisest of men establishes uh, the limits of human reason, which is great, right? So it's basically saying, no, there's some real great wisdom in Ecclesiastes, but it's not divine wisdom. It's just that of man. So it's like basically saying, so like, don't hold too tight to it. It's not that literal. It's not that it's not a legalistic view. It's just a man's musings. So if we've always made room for this, where has that gone? Like, why do we, like I said, that was from back in the early nineties. So in the last 30, <laughs> 30 years or so, it's, it's kind of, um, changed. So, but we always had room in our mind to, to do that, to where we'll be like, no, this is, this is literal, but this is, um, metaphorical. This is stuff. And as that disappears and that's less and less and, we, it's like, no, the Bible means this, then all it does is complicated. All you do is get knots tied in it and you get contradictions and people get turned off um, by it. And, um, but in doing so and removing ourselves from this legalistic view, um, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because as Paul writes in Ecclesiastes, that one of the reasons we do these man-made religions is, um, it gives us ways to excuse our bad behavior, right? Like, um, kind of like the devil made me do it type mindset. 
And when we remove that, then it's kind of just on us. Like, no, it's no one made you do this. There's no anything. It's just, um, it's on you. You were a jerk and you did a bad thing. And that's just on you. And, um, but there is, but there is mention of, uh, spiritual warfare in, in the Bible, right? Um, we don't fight in, um, like a war, there's a war going on, but it's not a war of flesh and blood, but of, um, principalities of spiritual aspects of it. Um, but what, what again, like if that, what happens if that isn't literal either? And it's just, um, on us. And I kind of got the mindset of, um, gremlins both the movie and the where they come from right the the idea of gremlins comes from uh world war two maybe a little earlier in which uh, if something happened with the plane they would always say like oh a gremlin a gremlin did it you know a gremlin got in there and messed it up and that's you know why we're having all these issues there's a twilight zone about it literally a gremlin uh attacking an airplane um and even in the movie Gremlins, like all the deaths in it of humans are kind of made to look like accidents, right? So it's like that same mind of of um of of gremlins. And I bring that up because what if our spiritual warfare is not a literal like devil like in our like causing us to do something, um, you know, the devil made me do it type thing, but it's more just our mind like the like a darker um, part of our mind that does, you know, like we don't always have the best thoughts, but that doesn't mean that it's the devil speaking in us. It's just, um, just our minds sometimes are light and sometimes are dark. And so it's almost like when we get, you know, it's, we're always going to be battling within our minds of doing the right thing or doing usually the easier thing, right? The right thing's always harder to do. And, um, and again, going back to Marty Robbins, uh, I've been obsessed with his song "Cool Water," and it's a great, um, it's a great song. It's just about this guy lost in the desert with his horse named Dan, and um, they're just they're just um, thirsty and they're close to death, and they keep trying to to move on, keep powering forward, and keep going because it's like there's gonna be water somewhere. It's waiting for us. And midway through the song, the 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 um, main character starts telling his. He could tell that his horse is starting to hallucinate with like mirages and just delirious from thirst. And he he um, keeps saying, "Don't listen to him, Dan. He's a devil, not a man." Um, and he spreads the burning sand with water. Right? He's like he's making these these mirages, but don't don't listen to him. It's a devil, not a man. And that's what really got me thinking in terms of um, gremlins, you know, or like that gremlin in our mind that it's not like in that song, it's not literally like the devil popping up and steering Dan the wrong way, but it's just the, his mind's playing tricks on him. And the guy's like, no, 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 it's a gremlin. Don't, don't listen to it. It's not, you know, it's the devil, not a man. And, um, and so matching that with, um, taking the literal out of the Bible, that just kind of, it puts more onus on us, but I think that that's okay because we need to be 
accountable for what we do and we can't just blame you know good people or bad people you know it's just it's all about us and um in in doing that we find that the bible um where is it right it points it points inwards from both ends right so the old testament points to to jesus and everything from Jesus, the New Testament points back to him. Like, it's like, this is what it's all about is this person in the middle and th these teachings in the middle. And, um, the Paul writes that, um, that the law, right? The law of Moses is a shadow of what's to come. And so if you think of it in that mindset, you know, if, if the old Testament's over here and that's all the law, if you're looking at it, you know, looking back on the light, like light showing onto Jesus, everything that Jesus stands for would just be a shadow, right? That encompasses the law of the, uh, the old Testament. And, um, and Jesus kind of says that too, right? Like, um, says, uh, Jay likes to point this out, right? The, you've heard it said, you've heard it taught, right? Like, so Jesus basically like, you guys have heard this, but it's all been a shadow. What I'm telling you is the reality of it. This is not a shadow. This is light. I am light, right? So everything behind me is shadow. And, um, and it kind of gives us that glimpse into what it's supposed to be, uh, love and mercy and grace. Just as Paul talks about, we're looking at things through a dark mirror, right? A dark window where it's almost the truth like the truth is beyond it but it's distorted for us and that's um that's what it that's what am i trying to say i'm sorry this is um it's a little bit tricky for for me like i said i just finished this right before i started but um the um basically what i'm saying is that Jesus, even though there's all these laws that we talk about, like we have to do this, don't do this, circumcise, don't circumcise, meat, uh, eat meat, don't. None of that mattered, right? It's it's that was just a shadow of the truth. The truth is that none of that matters. It's all grace and love and and, and mercy, and everything else is either a shadow of what was to come, or you're looking back and it's you're still not getting the picture yet, you know. Jay, I think, said in his last talk, you know, Jesus is on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And just like from Jesus's point of view, it's like, I just told them and they literally don't even like they for, they misunderstood. I'm not even dead yet. And they're not grasping anything that I taught them. And um, no wonder you would cry out, right, that you were forsaken. But um, so basically just. Right. Faith, hope and love love being the, the greatest, right? Everything else, if anything impacts our love and grace towards somebody, then it is, we're getting, we're seeing the shadow wrong. And, um, but that's, what's good about, um, about revolution because the, in Ecclesiastes to wrap this up, um, he talks about the, the strength of community and that's what we need. And that's what revolution is right where a community in which we are um we're strong but together we're stronger and uh it's it's funny in in the in the book ecclesiastes he talks about a rope that's made from um 
from three strings is is more stronger than it by itself. And uh, I'm like really big into yo-yos and it's funny. I'm sorry, no one on the podcast will be able to hear this because it's not visual, but on YouTube and Facebook, I'll see if you could see. But a yo-yo string, uh, you won't be able to see too much, sorry, is um, it's not just a string. It's like, it's literally three, um, three pieces of twine that are, strung together to make one string. And that's very much us here, right? Uh, any community, but us here in, in revolution is um, we're stronger when we're, we're doing it together, right? You know, you could, you could walk one mile, but if you're walking with a friend, you might be able to walk too. Um, and when we fall and we start maybe thinking too legalistically, or we're arguing over cancellation, we have other people that make up that that rope and that thread telling us like no come on it's all about love it's about it's about community it doesn't matter the details we you could hate <laughs> you could hate them in a way but you still have to love them and and um you know pray for them and they're we don't get like an we don't get the easy out of just canceling them or hating them and um it's awesome and it sucks at the same time you know uh cuz it's not easy but it's a it's a miracle, right? It's a miracle akin to uh, turning air to gold. So I guess I'll, I'll end there. Um, this was the first time I, I was able to get through the whole thing. I literally finished my notes at uh, about 1.53 on the East Coast, which is seven minutes before church started. But if anybody wants any, um, so I hope it made sense. Um, but if anyone wants to talk and engage and, so thank you, Zoe. Thank you. It's uh I really enjoy talking to you guys. Um also because it forces me to you know, I never tend to um to speak on anything that I fully know. Like I don't I don't um I'm not like teaching you guys anything, right? Because I'm also it's I'm just expanding on stuff that I'm working through myself. So it, you know, if it very much in that same community sense if it it helps you and it's helping me at the same time um so i really enjoy it and uh yeah it was, it was fun and uh yeah i'm just uh my little guy here so if anyone has any thoughts or ideas agreeing pushing back questions you name it we got it oh hey steve i threw in a little uh singing in the rain there for you but yes uh steve put up a donation link if you could that would be amazing um it goes without saying that we care much more for people than money but there are some costs that make uh us have to operate so any help would be amazing so um i'm glad it's making you uh think different and engage different because that's what it does for me I um I actually thanked uh, I sent Jay a text earlier this week because I was really struggling um and not like in a depression sense of like a boo hoo woe is me but I don't know anybody uh, if you struggle with uh, depression you kind of get the feeling that it is all um like remember I'm saying this about myself so it's not it's not an attack on on anybody that's also suffering but a um a 
depression tends to be uh, more like a selfish um, mindset. Not you're not selfish for being depressed. I'm not saying it's a selfish mindset where everything's happening to you, right? Like it's uh it could be anything. You, you know, uh, someone could drop a a pen in the hallway and not realize you're behind them and you bump into them and you're just like, oh, like oh, everything's about me. <laughs> like, um, you know, traffic's making you late. Like everything is just you can't really think outwardly you're thinking inwardly and i was having some struggles uh at work it was a a big week and there was a lot of stuff going on and i find i found myself you know getting kind of like not attacked but like approached from uh all all sides with different points of view and i really had to like legitimately practice grace and understanding because I wasn't feeling it. It was not a natural state to me, but I was just thinking of revolution. I was thinking of Galatians. I was thinking of stuff that Jay has taught. And I just realized that it's a practice, right? It's not, it's, I think, uh, was it Aristotle or Plato said that uh, virtue is a practice that's needed much like playing the flute or, or the lyre or a uh, harp. Um, so and so I, um, so I was really um, fo- struggling with that, and I was really having to focus on grace. And uh, I, I mean, I had a good therapy session in which it was one of those therapy sessions where, when you leave it, and the next day you don't really think it helped, but then all of a sudden, two days later, you're like thinking clearer, and you're like, oh, okay, it really did help. Um, and a lot of it really came down to, um like really showing and understanding grace and realizing that um, when you show grace to somebody, they're not always going to understand it or uh, get it or appreciate it. They probably won't return it. And um, so, yeah, so this community is very important and uh, what Jay really teaches is very important. And um, Yeah, struggle like it. That's something great. That's also part of um, Ecclesiastes. Is there's nothing new under the sun. That is, when you read, I encourage everybody because I don't think it will exasperate any depression that you're feeling. Uh, Ecclesiastes is short. It's maybe like three pages, and it is just. It makes you not feel alone because Solomon, uh, if it was written by Solomon, the wisest person that the history uh, that that um, the Bible tells us about and even references we say today about Solomon's wisdom. And he's feeling everything that we're feeling today. It's a uh, it's really remarkable. And for me, I do think that there is. Um, I do believe that there there's a lot of truth in the Bible and I know a lot of it can be metaphor. A lot of it um, can be that um, interpretation. But to me, it's stuff like, like this, like Ecclesiastes in which it would, he Solomon wrote it down and it's just as true today as it was back then. Like that blows my mind. Or when uh, was it in Proverbs when they say uh, a fool, uh, just as a dog returns to his vomit, uh, a foolish man will return to the era of their ways. And you're just like, how, how is that wisdom so true back in backwards BC as it is in 2022? Like that's, 
it's it's just um insane and then as a writer so many of the stories and intertwining and something that's set up in ecclesiastes is also uh then kind of paid off for in in uh the gospels or in paul's letter and i'm just like man that's that's too good that's uh that's writing that's not human um but that's just my take i would never try to convert if anyone thinks that it's all fiction legalism's out the door baby we don't care there's nothing literal here it's all safe as long as it helps and who cares how it helps hey jenny how's it going so if anybody has any uh any closing thoughts if not we will be ending soon i just want to give people the opportunity to speak and yes everybody watch midnight mass i'm telling you it's um all right it is a it's it in a good way it's very much like a stephen king work i'm not a huge stephen king fan myself but uh his stories are tremendous i just am not a fan of the actual literal writing so so have that in your mindset. So I'm, don't think that I'm giving you something that's kind of like The Crown or Downton Abbey or something like that. Um, you guys know I love my my horror um, stuff. So, but I highly recommend it. I, it's it's incredible, and it'll make you think. It'll make you think and question. And oh, it's just it's tremendous. So the narrative arc of theology. Yes, Thomas. Yes, and so. Um, and then next week, we'll be back to Galatians 3. You'll have uh, more uh, the more of Jay's insights and Paul's insights, and it's uh, we'll continue that series. This was a brief hiccup. Terry, I cannot give any spoilers of Midnight Mass. My apologies. I will not. I will not. It's just it's an incredible show. And the acting. If so, if you like acting, if you like writing, if you like um religious art to, you know like um oh it's just it's perfect it's perfect it's a perfect show and everybody thank you for being here thank you for sticking through we got like 10 that made it to the finish line so uh we'll take it um i really really appreciate it um thank you everyone for your your insights and your encouraging words and um next sunday at uh 11 o'clock pacific standard time We'll be back with uh, Galatians 3 out of, I don't know. We'll see how many parts of the series we get, but we'll Galatians 3 next week. So I'm going to leave it here, and thank you guys very much. Um, it was a lovely time, and you guys are awesome, and thank you for being here, and I will catch you guys all out on the flip side, whether it be on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook. Thank you again, and uh, have a great Sunday, uh, and okay, bye. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.